Life Audio. Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. Today, I'm excited to be joined by a remarkable guest who's advocating for a return to simplicity in childhood. Imagine with me for a while a world where long school days, Endless homework and excessive screen time take a backseat to the great outdoors, play, and deeply relational activities. Well, today we are joined by Jenny Yurich, a homeschooling mother of five and the visionary behind the 1,000 Hours Outside movement. In her newly released book, Until the Streetlights Come On, Jenny shares insights into the power of unstructured play and the profound impact it has on our children's lives. Join us today as we delve into the importance of outdoor play, the joy of learning for the sheer fun of it, and how embracing nature can provide relief, joy, connection, and respite for overwhelmed parents. Jenny doesn't just talk the talk, though. She walks the walk as the founder of a global movement that's changing lives one outdoor hour at a time. So whether you're a seasoned homeschooler or just curious about alternative approaches to education, Stay tuned for an inspiring conversation that might just lead your family down the path of rediscovering the simple joys of childhood. Jenny will be joining us for Teach Them Diligently events next year in both Pigeon Forge and Branson, Missouri. Not only will she be speaking several times at each event, but she'll also be headlining our Moms Night on Friday night at each event. And I can't wait for you to see what she has in store for you there. If you haven't started making your plans and gotten your ticket to join us there, now is the time. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash events to get your ticket now. You will be so glad you did. And I think I can safely speak for Jenny when I say she'll be really excited to see you there. Again, go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash events, and you can learn all about the Teach Them Diligently homeschool conventions coming up in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and Branson, Missouri in May of 2024. Now, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Jenny Yurge of 1000 Hours Outside. Hey, you guys, welcome back. You are in for such a treat today. One of my favorite people in the world is here, Jenny Yurich from A Thousand Hours Outside. And we are going to be talking all kinds of stuff about nature and our classroom being outside and all kinds of fun things that we can do with our kids today. So, Jenny, I am so glad to have you back with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I think that you were one of my first podcasts I ever did. Oh, yay. Like years ago. Well, that's super fun. Years ago, yeah. Super, super fun. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have a brand new Hot Off the Shelves book coming out. And I know we'll probably talk about that more later. But I want you to kind of introduce it to us and tell us what it's all about from the outset. And then we'll dive into it a little bit more in a minute. Mm-hmm. It's called Until the Streetlights Come On. And the subtitle is How a Return to Play Brightens Our Present and Prepares Kids for an Uncertain Future So this is a fantastic book, actually, for homeschooling families. It is a message of hope that we can do a little bit less, that we can let our burdens go a little bit. And, you know, the Bible talks about that, that the yoke is easy and the burden is light. And sometimes I think homeschooling can feel so burdensome and so scary, but we can do a little bit less and gain more 
by our interactions with creation. And when we take our kids outside, this is enhancing them in every facet of their development. What a gift. Yes. What a gift that this is helping their brain function and their cognition and it's helping their physical bodies and all of these different things that are happening. And so what's, what we're doing, and you know this because you're launching kids into the world, the world has changed. Yeah. The world has changed from a place where you would go into adulthood with one skill set and that skill set might carry you through all the way until your retirement. Well, here we're in this spot where we're having to adjust. You and I are doing this podcast. This is something that didn't exist when I graduated from high school. And the, the skill sets are changing even more rapidly. So now the current statistics say things like a, a child may have four different jobs by the time they enter adulthood in that first decade. And that's a lot. That's a lot of change. It's a lot of coworkers, a lot of bosses, a lot of new things to learn. And so we're setting our kids up for a world where they need to be adaptable and resilient and creative and innovative and risk takers. And all of those things come from a foundation of open space, of play. And that enhances your life today, too. So I think for a long time, we have parented from a place where often we sacrifice today for the sake of tomorrow. We think, right. oh, well, today is going to be kind of awful and everyone's going to be crying, but at least <laughs> at least they're going to be prepared for tomorrow. And things have kind of flipped on their head a little bit. Things have changed. And I think this is good news. This is good news because we can really enjoy our kids today. We can have a lot of hands-on living and life in our home and know that that is still preparing our kids for the future that they're going to be stepping into. Yeah. And there was so much in what you just said that I want to double back to. But when I saw your book for the first time, just the, first of all, it's a beautiful book. You all did a great job with it. But until the lights come on, I was immediately transported back. That was my reality growing up. We were out playing in the woods, you know, all the neighborhood kids riding our bikes, doing whatever it was until dinner time or, you know, the lights, you know, the street lights came on. Yeah. And that was such a, a nice, relaxed time. Like I, and, and my kids' reality has been a lot different than I know most, most children, because we did homeschool. We were much more tuned into this kind of stuff. But when you see like the kids in our neighborhood and stuff, what well, we don't, we don't see the kids yeah. in our neighborhood. You don't see children just out being kids and what they are missing out on, not just the memories and the fun and the relationships, but also like you noted, the the downtime, the creativity, all of these things that were really truly fostered in us is it's really sad that as a culture, we've gotten so far away from that over the last, I guess, two, three decades, however long this this has been happening. Yeah, it is sad. I mean, and I think that's a really important thing to bring up because I think sometimes we look at it like it's innocuous, like ah, it doesn't really matter. But kids are sad. Kids are stepping yeah. into their 20s oh, yes. and they're sad. They're very sad that they missed out on these different social interactions. So a conversation I had that was so sobering and so interesting was with a young man named Sean Killingsworth, who's 20 years old, and he's trying to start these phone-free clubs on college campuses because he says his childhood was a, this is his word, a social wasteland. And he wow. grieves that. He mm -hmm. grieves that he lost, starting at a very young age, he said eight years old, that he would go to after school clubs and he was homeschooled. So there would be like things going on in the neighborhood, you know, neighborhood meetups or things like that. And he would say every single kid was playing a Game Boy. 
and he would have not he wouldn't have anything to do. And he would just sit and look over the shoulders. He wasn't allowed to have one. And no one was playing. No one's playing Legos. No one's playing tag. No one's building forts. And then he would talk about like throughout his childhood into his adolescence, everyone's on their phone. And when you would go to different get togethers, people don't even act like themselves because they're afraid they're going to be videotaped and they're going to be mocked. And so he says, I lost. I lost it, Leslie. I lost my whole childhood. And I think it's important to to use that word sad and to think about giving our kids what we got, at least to, to a certain capacity. Obviously, I don't think you know, we're not in a spot where there's all sorts of neighborhood kids outside anymore, but maybe you can revive that where you live. Right. But I think we have to know that our kids are growing up and they are going to look back and they're going to ask questions. My midwife always says that. She says, they're going to ask you. They're going to say, why? Why did you give up so much of my childhood to screens? Why? Why didn't you put some limits? Because they only get one chance to be a kid and to to learn what they love and to have those experiences of play. And so many kids are losing that completely. Yeah. And it's really sad. We saw... You know, we and as those who listen to our show, if you're if you're new here, my children are grown. My I have 24 to to 17. They're they're grown now. But when they were young, we were very careful with screens. We made a very big point that the person that you were with is more important than any other person in the world. You don't you don't discount the company that you're in for some other thing that's in your phone. And we stressed that so much growing up that we found that it was magnetic. We have had kids in and out of our home constantly for years. And one of the reasons for that is it's really peaceful here. It's very different than a lot of their realities. And I didn't recognize that until my kids were much older because we Mm -hmm. were just doing what we were doing. So you kind of lose things in the weeds there. But I can tell you as someone with a rearview mirror that if you set up a a zone like that, a zone where play is fun, a, a zone where we are with the people we are with, the kids today are so hungry for that, that they will flock to you. They will flock to your home. We've even had seen it overflow into other families where they're like, why? Why is this? So why do they want to go over there so much? Why? You know, and and it opens up an awful lot of opportunities. So I would encourage those of you listening in to be bold with your choices and allow not just allow it to not just influence your children, but influence those around you as well. After a short break, we'll be right back to talk even more about this. And sure, surely it does. Surely it does. Because this Sean, who was talking about, he's like, well, what if there would have been one other mother who would have said, ah, no, you're not going to have a Game Boy. Well, then there's someone else to play with. And I think there's something to be said about the part that we play in our communities, in our in our society, by the decisions that we make. So kids are coming to your home and they're getting full attention. They're getting direct attention. Whereas maybe they're not experiencing that in other places. And I talked to this man who runs like an adventure center in Moab, Utah. So this is like a generational thing in his family. And they run these trips where you go rafting down a river for like five days. They they offer them all over the Grand Canyon and you don't have any cell phone service. And so, you know, he would talk about how their kids would go and, and these are the best family memories because you cannot be on your phone. There's no service. So no one ever has their phone out. And so 
what they did as a family, and these kids are similar age to yours, they took that concept and they said, okay, anytime we're going to go on a family vacation, we're going to take the kids. And he said, we're going to take, because everyone knows what it feels like. It feels great. We're not going to have our phones out. And so the his adult children or close to adult children would have to tell their friends, you're not going to hear from me for six days. And I yep. thought, well, what a cool, that permeates, right? Because then the kid that they're telling realizes, oh, well, this is an option. I can unplug for a period of time and know that I'll still have friends afterward or something like that. So I love the concept in our homeschool circles. I love the concept of knowing that we're making a difference generationally for our own kids, but also for these circles that are connecting with ours and these shoulders that we're rubbing up against in our communities. Oh, it's so important. And and just to tag one more thing on to this conversation the opportunities that we as parents had to invest in other kids as they would come around because it was it was actually relational. They weren't sitting, you know, I've been to places where they're all sitting on couches, all staring down at their phones. That's not that's not the way it looks at our house usually. Yeah. So there have been times when there would be a bunch of kids congregated downstairs and David and I would just kind of come up just to get out of the way, let them hang out. And they would all come up to our bedroom to get us to go outside and play hide and seek in the dark with them. That's so countercultural. You know, the teens hate having adults around. They don't hate having adults around. They love having adults who care about them around. (laughs) And so I would encourage you to be an adult who cares about those kids because it's so fun to actually get the chance to engage with them and play with them. And it keeps you young, too, as you're getting older. So there's so many benefits to what you're talking about for the kids, but also for the adults in their lives as well. I agree. And I think part of childhood, I remember this from my own childhood, and you, you would go to friends' houses and you would pick up on things. You would pick up on things that, especially that you really liked. That's how I felt. You know, I had a friend yeah. and her mom always had loaves of bread rising on the windowsill. You pick up on these little things that families do And you can take those into your life when you become an adult. And I think that's also happening in these situations, right? When people are coming into your home, they're having a good time. They want to come back. But it's planting these seeds of how they might run a family when they become a parent. And to know, look, like we don't have to be on our phones all the time. This can be a time where we put things away. And I think that impact can last for generations. Oh, absolutely. You know, I want to shift gears just a little bit because... It's I, I suspect that with our audience, especially people are amening everything that we've been saying. You know, they I ideally they are very much on board. Sometimes practically that gets a little skewed, but ideally they're very much on board. But I also know that the reality is that for so many of the moms who are listening in, there is a tremendous amount of pressure, a tremendous amount of overwhelm, of guilt, of feeling like, you know, they're. I think the expectations that probably social media and all this messaging that we're inundated with is is having on us is just so, so damaging to these young moms. I know I've, I've heard you say that you kind of struggled with this a little bit, too. How those of you coming up behind me, how has the reality of all of these screens and this expectation really factored in to your ability to mother well? Well, it's tricky because there's a lot of voices, right? So for a while, there were less voices. And now all of a sudden, there's a lot of voices out there. And you see these other ways that people are doing their family life. And I do think still there is this little bit of a a gift where you could 
snag little things. You can glimpse here. You can glimpse there. You can see how other families even are transitioning into adulthood. I think that's a big question about, you know, how do we do that well? And so people can look at your life and and grab these little things. And I think that does make it tricky. Obviously, there's way more curriculum than there used to be. There's way more options of you could take this beautiful watercolor painting class and it would be super fun for your family. And you can also do this foreign language box and you can also, you know, join in on the chess club and the homeschool for 4-H group. And there's so many opportunities, which is wonderful, but also can make it difficult to to navigate your way through that in a way that still preserves white space on your calendar, that still preserves and sort of honors what the child brings to the table and what they need. They need to have downtime. They release neurotoxins when they have downtime. And so Kim John Payne says, he wrote Simplicity Parenting. He says he sometimes prescribes that in families, like three sets of periods of downtime in a day so that you can kind of release and exhale and regroup and that type of thing. So I think the tricky part with social media, well, one is that it sucks up our time and attention. And two, I think it is it makes it hard sometimes to pick the best thing because all of these things are good. All of these curriculums are fantastic. They're fantastic, but we can't do them all. And I think we have to trust that that God has made kids in a way where they self-educate in a lot of ways. And that's important for them to have these social times, to have time where they get to dive into their own interests. And that's how they learn to love learning and how to learn for mastery. So striking that balance is hard in a world that is technologically heavy and has a lot of options. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what would you say to a family who has legitimate concerns about the culture has changed, the safety of the world has changed? How can I let my kids go outside if I'm not right there with them at all times? You know, we, my reality growing up, we were able to wander the woods and the the neighborhood. And I mean, my mom, who is a, a self-acknowledged worry ward, wasn't. Like she would let us go. And I look at her now, I'm like, how is how are you that same woman that you that was when I was like a little kid? Mm-hmm. Because the culture was just very different. So so how do you encourage families who have these concerns? What are some strategies that you have found? Because it is so important that we let our kids play and that we give them the freedom to explore and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you also want to be wise as a parent that you are you're shepherding them and taking care of them well. Well, you can go. I mean, that's really been our main strategy is that I go too because there are not neighborhood kids out as much anymore. And so we've had small groups of friends, homeschool friends that we would meet up with on a regular basis. And in that environment, you hang back as a mom and the kids still have a lot of that sense of freedom. You're not right there hovering. You're not telling them what to do. They still have a lot of that sense of freedom. I think that when you do that, and I just read a fantastic book called Flavorhood by a man named Mike Lanza, who talks about trying to bring the play back into the neighborhood and moving your play to the front yard instead of the backyard so that when a kid looks out the window, they see that there's other kids out there. Really cool ideas in his book. But, you know, just talking about if you start off by, let's say you live in a neighborhood, by, you know, you say, look, every every day we're going to take a walk after lunch and you start to meet your neighbors and you know who's out there. I think that's one of the big differences is that we used to know We used to know who all the neighbors were and all the neighborhood kids. And so there was a sense of safety in numbers and safety in community. And that's one of the things that we lose when everyone pulls into the garage and goes right into their home. 
because we don't know who those people are. But when you start to get out, you're walking, you meet the people that are around you. And I think in time, you can gradually pass the baton. And I think this is part of the purpose of childhood is that kids are learning to assess their own risk as they grow. Risk is this calculation of how dangerous is this with the caveat of how likely is it to happen. So when they're two years old, they can't figure that out. You know, they don't know how likely something is that, how dangerous is it to play by the road, that type of thing. So as a parent, we make those decisions. But if we want our kids to fly, we have to be able to pass that off to them. And so that happens in gradual stages. And, you know, if you're out in places where you're not by a road or you're not by a body of water, your kids can maybe roam a little farther away from you and you can see what they do and you get a chance to practice handing over the agency and the decision-making to them, they get a chance to practice their own confidence and decision-making skills. And slowly but surely, you get them ready for a wedding, right? You get them, you get them exactly. ready to go into the world. And it's hard if, if we're always directing, if we're always, and that feels the best, doesn't it? If we're always controlling and we're always checking the boxes, it feels good in the moment. But long-term, We have kids that can't make decisions. We have kids that are struggling with taking risk and stepping out and doing things on their own. And then we really have a hard time letting them fly. So it's got to be this gradual. It's like how God made it, right? Our kids grow gradually and we gradually pass off to them their life. Well, yeah. And you are growing as a mom or as a dad during all of that time, too. So you are getting more mature. You are getting more, hopefully you're growing closer to the Lord. Your trust, your foundation there is much stronger. Just kind of playing off of what you were talking about there with that gradual growth during the, we're in South Carolina. So during the pandemic, our lockdown was very, very short as compared to most other places in the country. Yeah. Ours was very, very long. We're in Michigan. I yeah. know. Our I know. We, like were not, we were like very short. But uh-huh. during that very short lockdown, I had three in college and Liz, uh, Lila, my youngest, was a middle schooler at the time. And they decided that they were going to seize those moments for the nunnery sibling adventures. And they went all over like finding their old haunts. And it it was more extreme, I have found out since, (laughs) in their adventures. But they were older. They were all big. Uh And it was so cool now to hear them sit around the table when we're all together and talk about the adventures that they had and talk about all the things that they've done through the years. And that is a benefit that by giving them a little bit of freedom, by allowing those siblings to build those memories together, it is so bonding for them, and it is it brings so much joy to David and I once we get over the shock and awe of some of the things they tell us. Um, but it brings so much joy to hear the way that they have, have done stuff together all through the years, and they have such close relationships because of it. You really cannot recreate that with a game of Mario Kart. Mario Kart is fun, but it doesn't build that same level of of laughter and deep relationship that those, you know, nunnery sibling adventures do. Aw, and you can't recreate it with a worksheet either. And I think that's the, that's the tricky, I think I would say for me, the hardest parts of homeschool are the social piece. And that's one, because you have to be involved as a mom. You don't get to just send them off and they make their friends and come home. There's a lot of work and I think sacrifice there to help facilitate that. So I think for me, that's been one of the most difficult parts. And I think the second part is 
is maintaining balance because people are looking and they're wondering yep. if your kid is in this math and what what are they doing now and and should I be enrolling in all of these different things? And so it's a good reminder, Leslie, that close relationships, they don't even necessarily, they might come through your morning basket or they might come through, you know, your read alouds and all of those adventures you have through characters and stories. And those are so wonderful, but they're not going to come from your seat work, really. I don't think the kids right. are sitting around saying, remember when we did that chapter in whatever that textbook? Or... Work ever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it, it's just an important thing to remember that there's more to life. And I, and I love the thought. I think you bring up such a good point. I love the thought of our memories, of filling our memory banks and having this sense that our life has really been a full, wonderful thing because we've done all of these different things together and created all of these memories. And that's an important part, too. I mean, childhood can fly by and just be this blur. I was actually just talking to a friend the other day. She was like, I don't remember one thing from elementary school. And sometimes that happens, you know, because every day looks pretty much the same and you're just doing these different work things and, you know, and then it's over. Well, exactly. And that's a really sad thing that we would not want for our kids. But even as you were talking, you led off this podcast talking about the adaptability that our kids need, the way that they're probably going to have multiple careers, multiple skill sets that are needed. I have seen that this. This flexibility that they pick up, the creativity of playing outside and of making their own adventures has helped them so much. Even at my kids' relatively young age, they're doing all kinds of stuff and they are so quick to pick up new skill sets. And it comes from the, the world has always been their playground. There was never any wall to what they could create or do. And that as they grow gives them such a leg up in the workforce and in, you know, just kind of their adaptability as adults. And I love those types of benefits that come solely because your life has a little bit more time. That's it. I mean, right. I, you know, I like to talk about, you know, you're doing it right. Homeschooling, you're doing it right. There's so many things that you're doing right simply by making that choice. Because the thing is, is you can't control all the time. You do not have the capacity to do that in reality. And sometimes I think that makes us feel like we're failing but that is where the good stuff happens, where there's that extra time. And you, I mean, you didn't plan. I think, you know, when I was growing up, the whole day is planned when you're right. attending a school classroom. And that's obviously for the sake of classroom management. It's necessary, but it is planned from start to finish. Otherwise, things snowball and get chaotic. But in your home with a few children or one child, or maybe you have 10 children, however many children you have, there's no way for you to every single day be able to plan every single minute. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because in those spaces, in those nooks and crannies, that's where all of that stuff flourishes. And like you said, you're seeing it now. You have kids that are fine to go out in the world and to try new things. Right, right. Well, we talk a lot about heart schooling around here. And with heart schooling, you know your mission and you allow all the choices that you make, whether it be curriculum or organization of your day or whatever, to align with that mission. It removes so much friction. And as you know, as you are looking at that white space that you were talking about, as you were looking at that flexibility, that time to just explore and be, that aligns so perfectly with the heart schooling mission that it really makes making those choices so much easier. It removes that guilt because you have a higher purpose. Like you see how all of this fits within your bigger mission and your bigger goal for your family. So I love the way these two things align. Mm -hmm. 
I, I did want to shift over. So your family has spent a thousand hours outside for at least the last decade or so. <laughs> I want you to talk to us a little bit about that before we run out of time, because that is that is such a cool thing that you have been talking about for a really long time. Well, we started in a spot where I was really struggling as a mom, as a young mom, struggling with just making it through the day and was really sad that I was struggling so hard making it through the day because I really wanted to cherish those early years, even though they're extremely hard. And this transition to prioritizing nature was the shift that changed everything for our family. And then, like we've talked about, there are benefits upon benefits. I still, to this day, I'm continuing to learn of new benefits of getting our kids outside and getting ourselves outside. So at the beginning, it looked like I would be carrying three kids down a half mile path, pushing a stroller with one hand and, you know, a kid on the front and a kid on the back and a kid that's crying in your arms. And but but still really, you know, God's creation is a place for respite. And it's a place where we can go and our kids can be engaged for a long period of time. It's an answer. It is an answer to the hard edges of parenting and parenting in a time and culture where a lot of times we're alone, where we don't have maybe extensive social support and nature in God's creation always comes through with engagement for kids and respite for us and all of these different things. So it it started off like that. And what's been interesting, Leslie, and, you know, here here you are, you know, you've got kids that are launching into the world and getting married and we're kind of on the cusp of that. And our oldest is in high school now. This this thought of nature and it really just connecting, connecting through experiences and memories like you're talking about, this works all the way through childhood and into adulthood as well. You know, you hear people talk about adventuring with their adult kids. And I mean, even if we just get out and go for a walk, we just had Thanksgiving at my mom's house and we haven't done this before. We actually usually do Christmas at my mom's and we're in Michigan. So we did Thanksgiving this year. and It's like a little warmer. Michigan gets pretty cold by the time Christmas rolls around. But Thanksgiving, it was like in the 40s, which is warm for us. And so everyone took a walk up to the local elementary school. It's about a mile walk, a beautiful path. And then everyone played on the playground for a little while. And then we walked back. It was in the afternoon. And so nature works for the six-year-old while it works for the 65-year-old. And this, right. what I have loved is that this is an answer. You know, it's like parenting is always shifting, right? You're always shifting. This works. I figured out the potty training, but now that's over. And now I'm figuring out, well, maybe we're figuring out the dating or we're figuring out all of these different pieces of parenting. And then it kind of ends and you have to go on to the next thing. But nature and getting out into creation and and engaging with the earth and water and air and dirt and gardens and all of that, it works for the span of childhood and truly the span of your life. And that's one of the things that I have loved to see. I had no idea. We started to get outside when our oldest was three, and now he's 15 years old. And we have 12,000 hours, 12,000 hours amazing. of memories together that we've done. And, and it hasn't detracted. It's not like he you know, is years behind on this or it hasn't. It really has only enhanced. And as time goes on and your kids get older, then you can go and do more. Exciting is probably the wrong word, but different new things. So instead right. of me carrying everyone, now they're carrying all their own things. They're leading the way. They're leading the way on the hike. We're trying things like whitewater rafting. We're hiking to the waterfall. They're jumping off at the Black Rocks in the Upper Peninsula into Lake Superior. It has become this very engaging life 
that's filled with even more memories because they have this foundation of stamina and adventure and capability and up for anything type thing, which I you could you can't see. You can't you know, it is a rear view mirror thing. You can't yep. see that. You have no idea. But I think it's similar with homeschooling, right? The rear view mirror is I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we did this. The best decision we ever made was to homeschool our kids. And I can look at the rearview mirror and say, you know, we skipped a lot of other things in order to prioritize outdoor time. And at times, maybe it felt frivolous, but in the rearview mirror, this has led to a very full life for myself too, myself too, and our kids. So it's a different day and age. You know, I think people used to shoo their kids out the door and there's a time and place for that, too. If your kids are old enough and, you know, you're a homeschooling mom and you need a little bit of a break, I think there's certainly a time and place for that. But there's also this special gift that I think a lot of times the moms are around. And so it's enhancing our lives, too, in the process. Oh, no question. And I encourage moms all the time to get in the frame. You know, one of the things that grieves me so much is I see all of these pictures of their kids playing. But I'm like, get in the frame, get be there, play with them, because that is really where the magic is. And it is so good for mom. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on just the benefits to mom or dad in getting in the frame and being involved in that. I want to I want to shift over and really talk just for the last couple of minutes that we have about your book. At the end of your book, you write, today is the day when you get to choose how you want your family to be. We've talked a little bit about that, but would you expand just a little bit more on that for us and then tell us where we can connect with you, where we can get this book. Cause I suspect that everyone's going to want to run right out and get, get this book before, uh, before too long. Oh, well, thank you for that. What a gift, what a gift that we get to craft our families and we do get to choose. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about homeschooling, though it is overwhelming. I remember when I first became a homeschooling mom and we started homeschooling. I mean, I would say everyone is, you know, you start off homeschooling. If you have a child in your home, you're homeschooling. But when you sort of hit that threshold of age five, six, kindergarten, I remember my eyes being wide opened at people like, well, what kind of homeschool mom are you? And I just didn't realize, you know, there's all of these different ways that you can do it. And that can be overwhelming, but it's also really special that you get to look at your own children and you get to look at the way that God made you and the, the way that God made your kids. And, the, you know, the, the Bible says that he, he put you in a specific place in Acts, you know, at a specific time. And he's not far off. And I mean, just these beautiful things. And so God has placed you with these children in this specific time in this world that's rapidly changing. And you get to go to God for wisdom and you get to pick how you're going to homeschool your family and how you're going to craft your life. And I found a lot of confidence from people like John Taylor Gatto and John Holt, who talked about kids learn a lot on their own. And John Taylor Gatto talked a lot about how you don't need a whole lot of instructional time. He says 50 to 100 hours get you to a functionally literate kid at the right age and stage so that they can fly. And I'm not saying you only do 50 to 100 hours of schoolwork. Absolutely not. But but the pressure is off. You don't need necessarily 15,000 hours. And right. he says there's as many ways to become educated as there are fingerprints. What a statement that you can really individualize and let your child flourish as who they are and who God made them to be. So that's, you know, it's your choice. It really is. And I think sometimes it feels like it's not because we're trying to be so responsible and we're trying to make sure we check off every box. But if you take a step back and you 
you know, you give a bird's eye view, your kids are going to be okay with the decisions that God leads you to to make for your family. And, you know, I love the verse in Proverbs where it says, you know, you roll your works on him. And it says in the Amplified version, it says, he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. So you keep your prayer and your relationship with God at the hand, at the at the helm, and then you craft your life. You get to craft it how how you spend your days, and when you go outside, and when you come inside, and maybe when you take time off, or you know you do Christmas school, or, or all of these beautiful things. Do you school through the summer? Do you not through school through the summer? That's your choice. And what a gift that you have the freedom to make those choices for your family. And and additionally. As you change and grow and your life weaves in and out in this beautiful tapestry that you create, even when you make the changes or even if, let's say, you make a mistake or you feel like, oh, wait, this isn't working and I've got to change it. I think that is so important because kids get a front row seat to how to craft a life. This is another gift of it. You're modeling to them. What do we do in a season where we're grieving? What do we do in a season where we feel really lost and don't know what to do? What do we do when we've tried something and it doesn't work? And they get to see you and how you handle those because they're going to be making their own life in no time flat is how it feels. And exactly. Normally, they're very removed. When, you know, when I was a teacher, I taught public school. No one has a backseat to why you're making the plans that you make or how you're making the plans that, that you make. They just are there and, and they do them. And so even when it's not perfect, even when it feels like it's a chaotic mess. I believe that's actually a really big benefit to kids because it gives them a good insight into how life really is and how you can navigate through it. Oh, so true. I just, I appreciate the way that you laid all of that out so much because it it was beautifully spoken, but there was so much truth and so much, so many nuggets in there. So I appreciate that. We are almost out of time, but I'm very, very excited that you're going to be joining us this year for Teach Them Diligently. I am so pumped about Mom's Night. So I wanted to talk just briefly about that. What What are you thinking? What kind of things are you hoping to to see? Or, or, or what is your prayer for the moms who do attend it? Oh, I just, I love Mom's Night. We were talking about this earlier and it's such a special thing. It's, you know, a conference and you're getting all this information and it's so exciting. And then to just have an evening where it's just moms and you get a chance to like exhale and be together. So I just have this part of community. I hope we can play some fun games. We can sing some songs. We can encourage each other and, and leave with some relationships. That would be my prayer is that you leave. And even if let's say this is someone, because I know people come from all over the world to come to these Teach Them Diligently conferences. They're so fantastic. But you leave with some new friends. You leave with some relationships, someone that you could call when you're having a hard day, someone you could ask a question to. There's so much of a community aspect here where we're looking at everyone else and saying, oh, how are you doing that? How are you keeping up your home? How are you fitting in this, that, or the other thing. And so my prayer would be that we would leave with some new relationships, with some new connections, and just encourage in that exhale where we feel that we can go on and do more. And we're doing that together. It's going to be so fun. So fun. You guys do not want to miss that. But yeah, it really is about the relationships. And then for so many of the moms there, they continue those all year long through Uh Teach Them Diligently 365. And we are we're retreating together and we're talking in the app together and we're just having such a good time all year long. So I hope that you guys are planning to join us. Jenny is going to be so fun. You're going to have the best night of the entire conference. So make your plans to be there. Jenny, thank you for joining us today. 
Before we go, I want you to tell everyone where they can connect with you and where they can find your new book. And then actually, you've this isn't your first book. So where can they find all, all of the things that are Jenny Urich and A Thousand Hours Outside related? Yeah, I, I'm easy to find because I've just stuck with the same thing. So we have the 1000 Hours Outside website, which is just 1000HoursOutside.com. And there's fun things there. There's these tracker sheets that you can print out. Our getting outside is a foundation for our homeschool because it's so beneficial for kids in their whole child development. A lot of people say, look, we've got the academics covered, but we need to hit these other pieces. And even spiritually, God has given us his spiritual laws through creation. And so you can you can be out and talking to your children and talking about the lilies of the field and they do not labor and spin. And yet not Sol- not even Solomon was dressed. You know, why do we worry and look at the sparrows? I mean, all of these things happen when we're outside and they give an opportunity for us to teach our kids spiritual truths. But you'll find there these tracker sheets. A lot of it's free. We have a, a kickoff pack. So that's 1000HoursOutside.com. We have an app. So sometimes people use that. They get badges. Um, so just a little timer feature. That's a fun thing if the paper doesn't work for you. We have a podcast too. Also, it's called 1000 Hours Outside. Everything is the same. And I do have a few other books. We've self-published and I have an activity book through D- DK Publishing. Actually, three of my books are called <laughs> 1,000 hours outside. What a mess. They have the same title. It's kind of embarrassing. No, it's, great. <laughs> it's not confusing. We know where to find you. This is brilliant. There we go. So, the, But the new book has a new title, Until the Streetlights Come On. It's wherever books are sold. And it has a, a beautiful, in the front and back cover, people sent in their favorite things to do outside in five words or less. And so there's 500 families from around the world it shares their favorite things and it's in the front and the back cover. It's a, It really is a beautiful book. It's through Baker Books and they just did such a phenomenal job. I was so impressed with how they laid it out and it's just a, a gorgeous one to add to your home and hopefully brings you a message of hope. And that's hopefully what we do when we're together at our mom's night out in the spring. Can't wait for that. That's awesome. And I love that idea of all of the ideas actually it brought tears when you were talking about that. So I just, I think that is beautiful and everyone you know, submitting things that are so important to them and and being memorialized that way. I think it's awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending this time with me today, Jenny. It is, as always, been just a blast and so much good stuff to extract from it. So thank you. Oh, I always love spending time with you and your family. You know, it's really been a gift over the years. So thank you so much for the opportunity. And I can't wait to see you in the spring. I can't either. And to everybody else, thank you guys for spending the time with us today. You know, we talk all the time about heart schooling and about lining up what you're doing in your home and your homeschool with the mission that God has given you, which is to go for the hearts of your children and getting outside, exploring, being creative, getting in the frame with your kids and really living life in a way that is relational and and gives you those deep bonds of memory and bonds of activity with your children is so powerful. And it It opens so many doors for great conversations, for understanding them better, for learning together, for opening their eyes to a big world out there that has so much opportunity for them. So get involved in your kids' lives in that way. I encourage you to go to a thousandhoursoutside.com, look at all the amazing things that Jenny has to offer. Then be sure that you join us on site in Pigeon Forge or Branson in May of 2024. 
come for the event. You're going to be blessed, but then make sure that you get that ticket for Mom's Night. It's free. There's no barrier to entry except securing your ticket. So come out and join us. It's going to be a night to remember. So have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more. So check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm-hmm.